Because saying, oh, you are a Venus in Leo and I am a Venus in Capricorn, we could never work, is not what astrology is trying to do. It's saying you guys are different, but here's the midway point that you guys can reach if you want to make this relationship work. girl gang welcome back to the girl we grow now podcast i am your host victoria and i'm so excited to have you all back again joining me this week for a new episode we are still in our elevating our relationships and dating series and for today's episode i wanted to do something a little bit different i have been really dabbling in astrology I literally know the bare minimum, to be honest. I am familiar with my sun sign, and I had recently looked up my other planetary placements. I love to talk about compatibility and astrology with my friends, so I thought it would be an amazing episode if I could bring on an astrologist so they can teach us more about how astrology works when it comes to compatibility and relationships. So for today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Clody Natuli. She is a Johannesburg-based environmental scientist turned astrologist. Her passion is in using astrology to help people on their self-discovery journey. She has been self-studying astrology for almost five years now and continues to learn and spread awareness about the art of astrology. So you guys, I learned so much in this episode. As I said, I really didn't know a lot about astrology. I literally just knew my sun, my moon, and my Venus sign just because I easily looked that up online. But I didn't exactly know what each planetary placement meant. So in this episode, we discuss the different planetary placements, how astrology determines compatibility, synastry in astrology, and just what it means when we look at the compatibility or even the incompatibility between signs and what that actually means in real life relationships. So I really do feel like even if you are a seasoned astrologer or someone who's like me and just doesn't really know a lot about it, but is very curious and interested in learning more about it, this episode is definitely for you. So I want to go ahead and jump into the episode with Clody. I love to start with an icebreaker question for my guest. So uh, what is the best life advice you've ever received that you still apply today? Life starts the moment you stop caring. I think that's been the best advice I got from a friend of mine who I don't know where they got it from. But you know what? That really stuck with me because I think we spend a lot of our times like just really caring about everything and everyone's opinions and what everyone else is going to think and what everyone else has to say. And It's great. And I'm not saying that we are know-it-alls so that we're closed off to advice. I mean, I just took this piece of advice too. But it's just like, you know what? At some point, you just have to stop caring and just do what you need to do. And you learn as you go. And if you make mistakes, that's also fine. So yeah, life starts when you stop caring. I really like that. Oh my gosh. I love that. And it's so true. I think a lot of times, especially now with social media and all the things going on, we just look for all this external validation. But at the end of the day, we're the only ones who live our life. Like we have to do what we want. I even when I give advice, I always tell people like, you know, do what's best for you. But, you know, this is just my opinion, because sometimes I feel like you can give someone advice or you can take someone else's advice and it doesn't work out the way that they thought it might or that you thought it might. So then you can start blaming the other person. But I feel like we just really have to own our life and our decisions and kind of just do what we want because we can't please everyone anyway. 
A hundred percent. And it's like, even if like it doesn't work out, at least you'll only just have yourself to blame, which I'm always happy with. Like if I'm the reason something didn't go well, then I'm happy to be the reason why it didn't go well. Not because I didn't do what I wanted to do when I listened to someone else and it still didn't go how I really would have hoped. Then it's a little bit of a a situation. But yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So I'm so excited to talk about astrology and compatibility today. I I would say I got into this more recent, like the last like few years. So I just have so much to learn and there's so many things I want to know. So I'm really happy to talk about it. But before we get into the questions, I want to ask you, so what is your, like, what are your signs? I'll give a big three. So I'm a Scorpio sun and I'm a Gemini moon and a Sagittarius rising. What are yours? Okay, so I am a Gemini sun and then um, I'm a Scorpio moon, which is so funny. (laughs) And then I don't think I know my rising actually. Okay. So I I did want to ask, so how accurate are the other placements when you don't know your birth time? Yeah, so um, the placements are super accurate. The only thing that wouldn't be accurate or the one you wouldn't know is obviously your rising sign because that's definitely dependent on what time you were born. But all the other placements are very accurate because the planet was where it was when you were born. So that doesn't really change. What you don't have accurately when you don't have a birth time are the house placements which are very important for context so that's where things get a little bit tricky but the placements themselves the venus sign is still correct everything is correct okay good to know so i guess i don't know if you ever guide people on how to figure out their birth time but i assume it would be calling the hospital you were born at which i'm like at this age do they even have that information well they could and i mean like in america i know they have i think they have their birth times on like their birth certificates so i think things are easier that way so maybe you guys as well you might want to just check maybe actually i am american but i guess i've never really looked at my birth certificate like that if you if you look it might you might have it because everyone usually says oh it's on my birth certificate and i was like you guys are lucky in south africa that's not the case so if your mom doesn't know maybe the clinic or the hospital you're born at might know as well if you contact them but i mean like it's been decades right so Um, long 100%. But there's also something like very advanced astrologers do, which is called rectification, if I'm not mistaken. And they can ask you a couple of questions and try and really rectify essentially when what time you would have been born. It's not an accurate science, but they can kind of predict what your rising sign would be based on certain events in your life that would have happened that they kind of map out, um, which is really cool. I wish I could do it. I haven't learned how to do it yet. So I'd be lying if I said I could do it. Um, (laughs) But yeah. It's really, really difficult if you don't have a birth time to get really accurate astrological interpretations. Good to know. So I definitely need to figure out my birth time. So hopefully it's in my birth certificate. I'm going to have to look. I hope so too. Yeah. So I feel like most of us do know our sun signs, but can you tell us what the significance of our other planetary placements are when it comes to relationship compatibility? Sure. I think the sun sign is obviously widely known, particularly in like pop culture and stuff like that. But I think that other placements or planets in astrology have more detail than just the sun sign. For instance, every planet is in charge or sort of represents a particular archetype or a particular characteristic of who we are. And as we know, you know, in romantic relationships or any relationships, we're more than just our personality. There's your love language. There's your things you find difficulty in, intimacy and all of those sort of things and different planets would then represent those different sort of characteristics that you you have personally and how they can kind of come together when you assess two charts 
So the sun itself doesn't tell you everything that you need to know. It just kind of tells you what someone else's self-expression would be like or what the ego is like. That's pretty much all your sun sign tells you. But the moon tells you your emotional state. Venus tells you about your desires, your love, how you find harmony and balance. So all sorts of things are available to you by knowing just which planets were placed where. That is interesting. So when I looked it up, and I want to ask you what sites you recommend, but when I looked it up, I saw my Venus was Cancer, which is interesting because I know cancers are known to be like, I don't people always say emotional. I don't know if that's the right term, but it is just really interesting because I feel like that's very opposite of Gemini, which is my son. Oh, I prefer astroseek.com. I think it's one of my favorites. It's just really easy to use. I know a lot of astrologers that also like like Cafe Astrology or Astro.com. I really like Astroseek. It's really cool. And I also use whole sign systems. I don't really, I'm not a fan of Placidus. So for those who are like into astrology, yeah, they'll know there's a difference between like systems, house systems. So yeah, I'm a whole sign girly. Neither one is more correct than the other. It just depends on what you find comfortability with. And I think all astrologers know to stick to what you find comfortability with. Like don't be moved by what other people think is more accurate than another or whatever. And in terms of a Venus in Cancer and a sign in Gemini... I don't like saying Venus and Cancer people are emotional. I think all signs are emotional. I think we may express our emotions a little bit differently and maybe deal with our emotions a little bit differently. But to say one sign is emotional and the other is not is not accurate. I would say Cancer is sensitive, definitely. And so is Gemini in its own particular ways. It's just that with Cancer, it's extremely emotionally sensitive. That means that it's like the moon, which moves signs every two days. Cancer's emotional responses and observations are very, very variable as well. They vary quite a lot. You can go from like really happy to sad in a matter of like minutes. And the Gemini is quite literally the same because it's more so based on the restlessness with Gemini. You can be really busy with a lot of things at the same time. And so you're also, you know, restless. For me, I'm a Gemini moon. So emotional. Emotionally, I'm very restless. I can be like happy in one second and equally sad the next because I'm just restless emotionally. Um, so I think it really just depends. But I wouldn't say a Cancer Venus is very emotional. I just say they're like extremely sensitive and guarded and very protective of their love spaces and very picky with like where they place their love because they're super protective and don't want to get hurt. That's why they're the crab, you know, they really have this strong outer layer or outer shell that protects them. I think that would be my assessment of that. That is so funny. I laugh because I do feel like people tell me like, oh, you're really picky or, you know, these days they'll tell me I'm bougie. But (laughs) I think it's just like what you said, like it's kind of like we're just really selective of where like, you know. As far as no, when it comes to relationships, we're just very selective. <laughs> no, you are, you are and you should be. You guys Agreed. pour so much love into people when you actually, when they make it into the club. <laughs> then you're really just like so free and so open and so nurturing. So you should be. It's not for everyone at all. I totally agree. Yeah. So I know astrology tends to face some skepticism on whether or not it's real. How do you generally respond to those who question the validity of astrology, especially when it comes to compatibility? Yeah, I mean, it's something I face every day. And I think the reason why people don't believe it's real is because it's still considered a pseudoscience based on the fact that there aren't any peer-reviewed articles on any astrological matter yet. But I I feel like I've observed enough from a human perspective and I've read enough charts to know that certain people of certain signs do display very similar characteristics and that stands to be true. We've observed it and time and time again, it holds true. And I don't believe in trying to convince someone to believe in astrology or to use astrology. It should be a very personal thing. So if someone doesn't believe in it, I'm not one to convince you because I just 
think it's such a personal interpretation of your own life. And if you are an astrologer, the lives of others, you shouldn't have to go into it trying to prove to someone that it works. Already you're starting off with a wrong foot. I just believe that it's all in the interpretation. So if you are really open to learning, it's a study like any other, then you study it and you apply what the principles of what the study is telling you to do. You don't make this stuff up. We all sit with books and literally study how it works which makes it a science. And then you keep replicating the study until you realize, oh, actually, most Aquariuses are actually like that. But Aquariuses who have Gemini traits are like that. Aquariuses who actually have more water signs are like that. But Aquarius in general is the same kind of signature in all Aquarius people. I don't blame skeptics because people want hard facts. And unfortunately, at this stage, astrology isn't advanced enough to have peer-reviewed articles. Hopefully we get there one day. But it works. It really works. And you have nothing to lose by trying to get extra information. I totally agree and I think for the longest time I was like oh sun sign so I would always look up how Gemini's are because that's my sun sign but then I realized how you kind of do need to know more than just your sun sign because like you said when people there are a lot of Gemini's but they have different moons different Venuses so that makes they have a few different qualities depending on what their other placements are so I think just like all of it together comprehensively will kind of give you an idea and then like you said like you will see similarities like when I look at mine I was like oh my gosh sometimes I'm like that's so me exactly And I'm just like, wow. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I mean, on that note, it's just like, I just feel like as much as I love that, you know, in pop culture and astrology is becoming a lot more popular and like it's more accessible. I just think the art of astrology itself is being lost in the coolness and the popularity of it, you know, where we have a lot of the accessibility when it comes to sun signs and such and that, but we don't actually understand the depth that goes into it, which is 100% more accurate. But obviously someone who's just seeing astrology as the sun sign stuff will just be like oh but like that applies to everyone anyway that's not really for me in particular but of course it's not I mean there's not a lot of detail there but yeah I mean I guess everyone has to start somewhere yeah and it's so funny you say that because whenever I would talk about sun signs people are like oh well it's so general that literally could be anybody so literally echoing what you say like that's so true that usually is kind of how people perceive sun signs So as you mentioned, it's gaining popularity. How do you feel like the perception of astrology in relation to relationships has changed over the years? And do you, well, you already said it's gaining more popularity, but I feel like, yeah, we see it all over TikTok. And I know you said it's losing some of its death, but do you think there are things that we can do to kind of like better learn? Because I'm not going to lie, like I look at TikTok all the time. And honestly, it's becoming like kind of like a search engine. Like most people go on there to search things. So like, what are your thoughts on that? I'm definitely not against the sort of more social media media popularization of astrology. I think that I love the fact that people are looking towards alternative views of understanding not just themselves, but their relationship structures and stuff of that sort. I just think like like beyond TikTok, there are so many brilliant authors and astrologers who have so many resources beyond just like searching for things because that's data that's just circulating the same search engine. If you really are interested in knowing the very deep details of what you're trying to learn, go the extra mile, read a book, um, listen to a podcast by someone who's a qualified astrologer, um, which is how I learned. I first started with the magazines and it was really interesting, but eventually I had a deeper thirst for knowledge, for more. So I started reading books and it totally changed my perspective from what I initially knew, which makes it a much more richer experience and gives you a lot of compassion because saying, oh, you are a Venus in Leo and I am a Venus in Capricorn, we could 
it never works is not what astrology is trying to do. It's saying you guys are different, but here's the midway point that you guys can reach if you want to make this relationship work, which means that I'm not saying you guys could never work or it's just it could be more difficult. But if you were to make it work, here are some tips, you know, look at that and look at this. And you're compatible in these ways and not so compatible in these ways. So these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses as a partnership. How do you work through, you know, those sort of things? So it's a much richer art beyond just like what we see on mainstream media. And I think that's the part that upsets me. But I also know it's like, that's okay because it's an entryway into people wanting to dig deeper if they have the interest. I really like that you said that. It's really not to tell you like, hey, just because you guys aren't the most compatible sign that you guys can't work out because I feel like a lot of times we do look at it like that. Like, I'm not going to lie. I don't do it as much now that I've gone older, but like a few <laughs> years ago, I kind of would look at it and be like, mm, they're a Virgo or they're a Pisces. I don't think so. You know, just basing it off my sun sign really. But um, I think that's a good point to make. It's just like, you guys aren't most the most compatible, so it might be more challenging, but it doesn't mean that you yeah. can't put the work in. So I really like that you bring that up. So how does astrology determine compatibility between people? So lots of things to consider, right? At a first glance, it's firstly just looking at, let's say you have two people coming together who are about to, you know, embark on a relationship journey. It's firstly looking at both individuals as individuals first, before you even try and consider them as partners in astrology, you'd look at their birth charts individually, just to kind of pick up on individual characteristics that they might both have that would determine they might have wounds in relationships from childhood. They might have a certain reluctance towards emotional experiences, you know, just on an emotional level individually. And then once you've determined their more individualistic traits, then you can kind of do something we call synastry in astrology, which then combines two people's birth charts together and overlays them and kind of makes a comparison about like where they are compatible and where they aren't or what work needs to be done in one area and what doesn't. There's also something we call a composite chart as well in astrology, which is also used for relationships. And that is unlike a synastry chart, which overlays two charts together, a composite chart blends two charts together. And I don't know if you can understand the difference between the two. I'll make an example. So let's say it finds the midway point between where your planet was placed and where my planet was placed and puts it there. So if you have a moon in 11th house and I have a moon in second house, then it will find the midway point, which is the fifth house, let's say for instance, which is the midway point between two and 11 on an astrology chart, for instance. And that would say something about the union, how the union would be. As a collective, you guys have a moon in fifth house. And that would mean you guys have a very um, creative relationship. You might be very artsy. So that's kind of like what it would do. So there's those sort of things. But then there's also like in my individual chart, let's say as the feminine person in the in the relationship, I would then look at my Mars and at my son. And that would tell me the kind of man I'm if I'm heterosexual, which I am in my case. Of course, if it's not that case, then it's a different dynamic. But let's just say we're heterosexual. Then I would look at my son and I would look at my Mars and that would tell me the kind of man I'm attracted to. And in my man's chart, I would look at his moon and his Venus and that would tell me what kind of woman he's attracted to. And my Venus sign shows me how I enact my little sexuality, like how I draw people in. I would act out in my Venus-like way. And a man would act out in their Mars way to attract women. So do you see like those are also like the planetary placements we'd look at. We'd also look at something called Juno, which is an asteroid. And that tells you like more so for like long-term partnership, your attitude towards marriage, 
Then there's like the seventh house and the fifth house, which fifth house is like dating style. Like, how are you in dating? The seventh house, how are you in marriage? What partner are you likely to be attracted to? So there's so many touch points, right? It's just, it's a whole lot to look at and it can go deeper as you go. But there are a lot beyond just like, oh yeah, sun sign compatibility. It's very complex. I'm learning that like literally my wheels are spinning. So I thought it was so interesting that you said that if you're heterosexual, like our Mars can tell us what kind of man we like. So my Mars is Leo. So that would mean like I like a Leo man, which I feel like I've actually never dated one, which is so funny. Yeah, um, and it might not even mean like you like a Leo man particularly, but a man who displays Leo-like traits. Oh, a very okay. confident man, a man who's got a very great leadership style, a man who stands out from a crowd who's not really shy and like stands behind the crowd, a man who has his own voice, you know, those type of characteristics. That's really cool. And then you said as women, we like, I guess you said it in relationships, our Venus is how we act. Venus sign is pretty much like how we, how we attract other like people towards us it's like our magnetism like how i would attract another man is to be in more my more like scorpio energy because i'm a venus in scorpio that's what another person would be attracted to from me it's my style of being my desirability my magnetism um that sort of energy that is so cool and then you mentioned juno i've literally never heard of that and how do we figure out what our juno is is it just getting our birth chart created for us yeah so let's say you are on astro seek there's a tool that like shows you asteroids as well as an extension to your normal birth chart you can just tick on it as well and it will show you various asteroids and where they're also positioned then there's an even deeper layer right and there's so many asteroids as well i'm still learning about the hundreds and thousands of asteroids that they are um, and what they mean but juno has definitely also reached mainstream level of astrology now so you can check that out as well it's also extra information so i know you talked about this a little bit earlier but what role should astrology play alongside the other factors like you mentioned like love language and personal values and interest when we're selecting our partner astrology is complementary of all those things i've never been in a situation where i've heard what someone's love language was and never and didn't see it astrologically if that makes sense that's why i'm saying it will always be complementary and it's because astrology is very fair in the sense that it will never tell you something is wrong or something is right it just tells you what something is and how to work on it if it's difficult or how to like improve on it if it's already very easy so that's why i'm saying it's it's, it's a matter of complementariness with astrology it never fights the existing archetype of someone it actually just supports it so if you say your love language is physical touch i will see it in your chart or there'll be little signals that actually you are a very words of affirmation person you might have like a mercury and venus like aspect because words mean something to you when it comes to relationships so it's almost very complimentary and it doesn't rule out anything because at the same time you are still nurtured right as a person which means that Yes, you have an astrological archetype, but you were also raised by very different people, your parents and your environment around you and the pop culture you engage with every day. It really informs a lot about your style, what you accept and what you don't accept and how you also become as a person. Socialization is still huge. So we can't discount the fact that someone's been socialized to some degree to be adverse to certain things or to be very attracted to certain things. That nurture versus nature conversation starts to come into this as well. But all in all, it's very complimentary, I would say. So say I have a different life experience. Does that mean it can kind of take me a little bit further away from what I typically would be like in my planetary placements? Or are you just saying generally it kind of coincides? It coincides. The story that someone comes to me with, it's almost always reflected in their charts. Unless it's a thing of like, oh, but my friends, 
did this and I kind of went with it, which are people who are outside of yourself that really had an opportunity to influence you. Maybe you have a friend group of people who are generally just like very creative as people and you are now very attracted to very creative people, even though your chart says you're actually attracted to someone who's more so corporate. Or you might really feel like you're attracted to someone who's more creative because that's what your friends are doing, but eventually it wouldn't work because this is kind of who you're attracted to. So it's stuff like that where socialization will still play a role. That makes a lot of sense. So I know we've talked about so many different things in our birth charts. Is it true that specific signs tend to be more attracted to each other? If so, what is the basis? Because I know in my experience, of course, I always have based it on my sun sign. As a Gemini, I'm more attracted to, I think it's like Leos, Libras, Aries, Aquarius, and signs like that. But like, how true is that? Yeah, so in astrology, there is a feminine and masculine split between the signs. And it has nothing to do with gender. It's just energy, like positive and negative. So water signs, Scorpio, Cancer, Pisces, and earth signs, Taurus, Capricorn, and Virgo are feminine. And you have fire signs, Leo, Aries, and Sagittarius, as well as air signs, Gemini, Aquarius, and Libra, which are masculine. So the feminines are generally very compatible, and the masculines are very compatible with each other. So that's generally like the overview of how compatibility would have been assessed at like a broad level is you almost always have this very great resonance with someone who's the same sort of like femininity as you or masculinity as you and that sort of result. It's always a little bit more work to deal with someone who's either you know masculine if you're feminine or feminine if you're masculine. It's just a little bit of difference based on sun signs but let's just say your sun signs are different feminine masculine situations but your venus signs are very agreeable then that could change the situation right so that's why i'm saying it depends really on the extent of detail you're looking at that is really interesting because i feel like there are times like i have dated signs that are considered to be compatible to my son and i was like well it's so interesting like why is it so difficult if we're supposedly so compatible? But I think it's just what you said. I'm missing the other link between the Venus and the other signs that could also maybe those just aren't that compatible, which would be where the issues are coming in. And it's like, if I don't know that, I kind of don't really know like the things that we are really like struggling with kind of thing. 100%. So I feel like that's really interesting because I wasn't yeah. looking at it like comprehensively. And, and, I mean, it's not even just like the planet placements, there's stuff like aspects, right? Like which adds an, another layer of difficulty or challenge to astrological charts which is like the angles that each planet is towards another planet and them forming a relationship which is either like a square which is negative or a trine which is positive so lots of stuff are happening on an astrological chart that if you take for granted you'll miss maybe you like you said you are a gemini sun and you meet someone who is a scorpio sun and if you're taking that masculine feminine thing right it might be at first glance that you're not compatible But if what this person's Scorpio sign has a positive aspect to Mercury, that gives them very Gemini traits. So you actually would work. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Which if you didn't know aspects, you'd miss that. So yeah, it's about just having a very open mind and looking at it like a puzzle and like seeing little things and like playing around with it before just like ruling it out. Like, oh my God, this person's a Gemini. I don't like them. Bye. Get a bad rep, by the way. (laughs) I like Geminis. Maybe because I'm a Gemini moon. I I really just like, I love Geminis. I think we just get each other. Every time I'm like, oh, I'm a Gemini. They're like, oh. Even on dating apps, I've seen people put, oh, if you're a Gemini, like swipe left or whatever. And I'm just like, okay. I was like, haters. No, I'm just kidding. So much fun. (laughs) 
Yeah, I agree. But I guess yeah. people are always like, oh, you guys are two-faced, huh? I was like, no, it means I'm either fun or Jill. Those are the two sides of me. <laughs> 100%. I keep saying that. I keep saying it's not that Gemini's are two-faced. They have two sides, mm-hmm. both which equally exist and both which are equally very real. And you see the side that is online that day <laughs> or right, that moment. Exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> or the side that you bring out of me. You know what? Like, maybe you're the weird one. And that's why I'm yep, weird. Exactly. Like, you know, but I like Gemini's. I do. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, it's just so funny. Like the reactions that we get. Because anytime I talk to another Gemini, they're like, yep, I get that same reaction. So it's just really funny. Yeah. So uh, can you discuss how our astrological compatibility might evolve over the course of a long-term relationship? Like what factors does that play in a long-term relationship as far as the balance between the two people? I think as people get really settled into themselves and the sort of facade starts falling off, then you start to see the truth of the astrological chart. Because I think initially... If I were to say, hey, Victoria, like this person is maybe going to be a very difficult time for you. You're still in that honeymoon, like sparkly feelings and like, what do you call the butterflies in your tummy type space where it's still nice. Like everyone's really happy and there's this rush of like adrenaline and serotonin, like rushing between you guys and great hormonal exchanges. But once all of that subsides, then the real complexity of what the astro chart has to say starts to come into play because then you'll start to see these points of friction, how people speak to each other, how that person receives information, how that one doesn't receive information, all those things that astrology comes to you to show you at first, then you can start seeing them in in real time because I don't think it's obvious when two people are very like in that infatuation stage of romance I think over time that's what you start to see but you also start to see that when the work is happening the beauty that can come out from your work you know the fruits of your labor and how you can reimagine compatibility because you are willing to put in the work even though initially it was saying there's tension in these areas how might you navigate trying to sort out you know the issues that bring a little bit of a wedge between you guys that drive that wedge between you guys so i think the real of that chart will start to speak to you as time goes by in a romantic you know relationship that makes sense so how hard is it to get your birth chart reading in the synastry or the compass like assessment like how hard is it to get that is that something you can easily get online from an astrologer or like i don't know if everything's on that site that you mentioned but i'm just curious because If it's harder to get an investment, I don't know that that many people would do it until they're very serious. But I'm just curious, like, how hard is it to get that assessment done? It's not hard at all. I think there's lots of sites where you can just go in there and plot in your yourself and your significant other's details and it will tell you oh these planets you know are favorable and even this site was telling about AstroSeek it does that obviously it's not a very personal sort of engagement it's a more like computerized experience so it doesn't have the more detailed parts that a human being would be able to interpret for you but there are also plenty of astrologers who give synastry readings and composite readings which actually I advise for people to do that a lot better because I think from a human to human experience it's a lot better But from an accessibility perspective, those computer ones are also pretty good. And it's quite cheap. Like, I don't think it's anything more than like $10 from what I've seen, which isn't so bad, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, it's a wealth of information. So I just like had a thought. So especially speaking about astrology, because you even said like it kind of tells you how people receive information, how they speak to each other and the differences. How, I don't know if you know this, but like, have you ever seen astrology kind of like work hand in hand with therapy? Like, I don't know if there's anything out there where it's like connected, but I'm just really curious now. 
now. <laughs> Fully. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I was actually reading this book. I can't remember what it's called. But in ancient times, physicians, doctors and therapists at the time weren't allowed to actually get their degree before they completed an astrology course. It was a requirement in medicine. So even now there's a whole bunch of people who actually, and a bunch of TikTokers who are therapists, but they actually use astrological data in their work as well, because it is very characteristic to human behavior. And so you have this very pop culture experience of trying to understand a person and this very like medicinal scientific aspect of trying to understand person. And you just blend them together and you have a very beautiful story. So I actually know of many instances where both are used together. And for instance, with me in my own practice, there's times where I pick up on like wounds that people have experienced in childhood. And I'll be like, your child is saying this and this and this. Your mother might have been really abusive towards you. And this person will be like, yeah, I've actually been in therapy for like three years trying to heal that wound. So you can see this overlap of instances where what you pick up as an astrologer, the other person's already like on the journey towards healing. Or in instances where I pick up something and the other person hasn't done anything about it. And I'll be like, oh my God, you should probably see like someone to help you through this. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. Depending on your signs, there's some people who are happy to do it on their own. But there's definitely always an overlap because it exposes trauma and issues, especially like men who might have maternal wounds and they struggle in relationships because of it. Or women who might have very extreme paternal wounds and absent fathers and have a distrust towards men. So working through those things, unfortunately, as an astrologer, I can only give you very astrological advice and human advice. But if you need actual like psychotherapy, then it's advisable to sort of continue that conversation on with someone who's more qualified to do that. I did mindfulness, though. I also did a mindfulness course. So I'm happy to usually like chat through those things, but I'm still not a, like a psychologist and I can never like take it to that depth that trained therapist or psychologist would probably give you. That makes sense. So even just speaking of you said like you can see the maternal wounds or the paternal wounds in someone's chart. So is there specific things that they show up in like I know you mentioned different houses and different placements so is it does it show up in that way or is it different for everyone yeah so it's like there's something called Chiron which is also an asteroid so Chiron shows us our deepest wounds usually it manifests the most in childhood so looking at that like if you have a Chiron in seventh house you have a relationship wound for instance, you really find it tough to relate to people. So Chiron in 7th house or Libra, people usually find it really tough to be in relationship with people. They don't trust people. They have very huge insecurities when it, when it comes to opening up to people. So they find connection really difficult. There's also like having your son in the 8th house, which could show paternal issues, abuse, trauma, experience from the paternal side. If your moon is in the 8th house, it shows maternal trauma. If you have a son in 12th house, you might have had an absent father. Same with the 8th house. Moon in 12th house, an absent mother or a mother who died very early. So there's a lot of things going on that show you all sorts of wounds or childhood experiences that someone might have had. Just depends, obviously, on the chart. So when you heal those wounds, does it like change the placement or just always is going to be there? It's going to be it? there, yeah. It's your natal chart. Um, okay. So that stays static. It's like a little photograph that was taken of where the planets were when you were born. So that stays wow. the same. What changes is transits because obviously the planets are still moving today like they didn't stay still from the time you were born so a transit chart shows you how the planets are moving currently and how that relates to where the planets were when you were born so that gives you a little bit more of a perspective of where you're at right now 
Got it. So you mentioned Libras. You said it's harder for them to be in relation. Like is that a what Chiron you in Libra. If you oh, have the Chiron, Chiron in Libra. Okay. Yeah, if you have the Chiron placement in Libra, you have a relationship wound. It doesn't particularly say you find it difficult. It's just like obviously you experience mm. maybe like a divorce of parents when you were younger, and that's made you very distrustful of like relationships or connections between, oh, especially romantic kinds. Or you experience like your parents being absolutely brutal to each other when you were younger. So it's just a very deeply centered relationship wound with Chiron in Libra. That kind of makes me think. So can we talk a little bit about Mercury being in retrograde? Because I feel like that's another, I don't know if it really has to do with relationships, but it's something I hear all the time. And if anything goes wrong, even at work, we're like, ugh, Mercury must be in retrograde. (laughs) No, totally. So Mercury retrograde actually ended. So Mercury is now stationed direct. So it ended yesterday. We'll be excited. Yeah. yeah, so it ended on the 14th of September, so we're a little getting some time to breathe. But typically, like, Mercury is a sign that, um, well, a planet that rules over the communication sphere. So we find difficulty in means of communication and ways of communication. So what I mean is that, like, we might not be getting across to each other very well during a Mercury retrograde because it affects our ability to reason, to communicate, to speak, to um, create meaning in the way that we speak to each other. Our tone might be off. I might not be hearing you very well. But it also causes issues with cell phones, um, cell phone lines, travel, like transportation, commutes, technology, any technological device because it's a communication sort of device as well. That's when Mercury retrograde influence happens. So when people find difficulty in relationships, when Mercury retrograde is kind of active, it's because we really are struggling to get through to each other. Like you're not hearing me and I don't like the way you're talking to me. So it's that kind of thing of miscommunication, misunderstandings between people because Mercury is doing its thing. I see. So how often does that happen with Mercury, Mercury retrograde? Like how oh, often? It's very often. Mercury can go retrograde at least like four plus times a year. It's the one that goes retrograde quite frequently every year. So unlike the other planets, which rarely go retrograde, Mercury's always going retrograde, always. That's probably why we all have heard the term. Yeah. So I guess we just have to be a lot more gracious with each other when Mercury is retrograde. You're, you're very patient, you're gracious. Avoid trying to text things if you can talk in person or over the phone so that you can hear someone's tone. So things like that, that just make give you an extra level of like concern when it comes to actually making an effort to hearing someone a little better in that time. Makes sense. Are there favorable astrological times for starting a new relationship or addressing relationship issues? I mean, it obviously depends on the people involved in the relationship because I could say when Venus is in Pisces because Venus is exalted in Pisces, it's a really great time for everyone to have to find new love or whatever. But if you have placements that really are debilitated in Pisces, that won't be applicable to you, right? So that's why it's really difficult on a collective level to say, this is the time, which is the problem with pop culture astrology because then people will say, but that's not applicable to me. Of course it's not. You know, it's a generalized statement because we all know that Venus is exalted in Pisces, but Pisces might not be a great placement for you on your individual chart. Then it doesn't quite work for you, does it? So it really just depends on a person to person's chart and you knowing your venus placements and your planetary placements you would then know okay venus is in retrograde in leo this is not good for me 
I should probably watch out for certain things because we just came out of a Venus retrograde right now collectively and it was insane. I think collectively there were so many breakups. There was such a mess. It was insane. But also people who started their relationships then also broke up shortly after. But if you have a Venus retrograde in your natal chart, like when you were born, if Venus was retrograde, then it's totally fine for you, right? Because it's a little bit in agreement to how the planet was moving at your birth as well. So it just really depends if that makes sense. That is so interesting. Yeah, it does. It just sounds like you said, it's just very personal and you have to like know your chart and know what to look for. But is it dependent on Venus? Like whatever your Venus sign is, is that what it's dependent on? I mean, obviously remember we talked about the fact that for Venus, it's more so appealing to the masculine person in the relationship or at least the Mm. man in a heterosexual relationship. Their Venus and moon placements are very much telling of the women that they would be attracted to and the kind of things that they would be looking out for. They love signature. Whereas for us, it's more like Mars and the sun. So it really depends on whose chart you're looking at. But Venus is the planet of love and harmony. So I think as a collective, uh, how we relate to our Venus sign and what's happening with Venus really does say a lot about how we are connected to love and pleasure and desire and harmony. So I think on a collective scale, Venus does speak a lot about like our love and how we relate to love. So So are there certain zodiac signs that tend to face more challenges in maintaining a long-term relationship? I want to steer away from saying zodiac signs and I'm going to speak exclusively about Venus signs because I think that brings a little bit more, a little bit more accuracy. Even then it's not so accurate, but I mean, it's better to do it this way than saying sun signs. So I'm going to take it to Venus signs. So, and there's reason behind it. Obviously it's not saying that like, if you have this Venus sign, you're totally doomed. But people who, Venus and Gemini's generally... And Venus in Aries as well. It's just tough to do like long-term relationships because they just get so bored so quickly. It's just a matter of like, I'm into it today, but then like I need stimulation. So I might be like looking outside for something new. So there's things of that nature. And then you have things like Venus in Scorpio and Venus in Aries, like I'd mentioned, which is where Venus feels the most uncomfortable, right? Astrologically. It just does not like being there because Venus finds its joy in Libra and in Taurus. And Scorpio and Aries are the opposite sides to Taurus and Libra. So when Venus is in Taurus, when Venus is in Scorpio and Aries, it's in a very tricky space. It's just not the soft, loving space it's in. It's in a dark, fighty war space so people who have venus and aries and venus and scorpio tend to really struggle a lot when it comes to finding softness and finding their feet when it comes to romantic relationships they approach it very intensely and love is very soft it's very patient it's very feel it out be patient with it grow in it where they just want to dive in it and fight for it and they just bring a very different energy to what venus is used to venus and pisces where venus is very much positive in pisces like it's the most positive placement for venus however when venus and pisces people don't understand themselves very well and they haven't evolved well in understanding themselves as a loving person they can love the wrong people because they just want to give their love to everyone, even people who don't deserve it. So they don't draw boundaries and they end up getting hurt quite a lot because they're willing to love and save everyone. They don't discriminate. They don't really have high standards. They're just like, I like you. I meet you. I like you. I'm going to pour my all into you. And it doesn't always work out well, right? So it's about just like understanding your Venus placement, your love style through your Venus placement and the kind of boundaries you need to draw around you know, your Venus placement. And that should work pretty well as well. 
I like that you clarified that, you know, instead of using Zodiac, we're going to focus on your placement in Venus because, again, I feel like I've heard like, oh, Gemini's have a tough time because I'm thinking in my sun sign, but it's like, oh, well, actually my Venus is in Cancer, so maybe, you know, it's not as tough as I thought it was. I would say I kind of always felt like, oh, like I don't feel like I would really have a tough time. I think for me, it's more so just the pickiness and being particular about who I want yeah, to give that. Yeah, and feeling safe. Cancer Venus needs to, yeah. to feel safe, right? With people. Exactly. Uh-huh. I love that. Thanks for clarifying. Can you give us some tips on how we can use astrology to understand our own tendencies and grow within relationships? I think it's more so, firstly, before I even get into the relationship part of it, I think a relationship is only really a manifestation of your own personal work and development that you've done. So there's no point going into a relationship if you still have a whole bunch of personal matters that are unresolved. They're only going to get exacerbated and deepened. A relationship is a mirror. So you're going to have a mirror consistently up at you showing you your nonsense. I don't know if I can cuss on you. Showing you your nonsense. You like, can. <laughs> oh, can I? Yeah. Showing you your BS, right? Like it's a consistent mirror. And before we even get into like discussing any advice for like relationship astrology, I say work on personal astrology first. See, if you can understand your personal astrology, the type of person you are, how you reason with Mercury, how you experience love, all your wounds, and really make peace with all of that and be the best version of yourself you can possibly be on an individual basis, then going into relationship is not even going to be that difficult because even when met with challenges, you're better equipped and strong enough to actually face them or even know if those are the challenges you even want to face. Because sometimes I'm just like, there's certain difficulty in relationships that I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to deal with Virgo difficulty. Like other people are willing to do it. I personally like just don't want to. <laughs> like, What is Virgo difficulty? Like I have a Chiron in Virgo personally, which means one of my wounds is in Virgo. So Virgo difficultiness, which for me really triggers me in ways that I just can't explain. So v- Virgo difficulty for me is just like Virgo people are such amazing people. They're just like very overcritical and they don't do it or don't mean to do it from a very bad place. That's just what they're there to do. They're the problem solvers of the Zodiac. So they're always going to be in your business trying to solve something for you and i'm just i am a scorpio stallion I'm like i need my privacy i don't want people in my business i don't want someone meddling in my stuff and i know you mean well and they also can see the highest version of you better than you can so they always want to push you all the time like do this do that or like push you towards like what they feel like your best version of self is that's how they show love they want to better you in all the ways that they can they might change your style they might be like if you dress this way like you're going to be presented a lot better and i'm a very stubborn person and I know myself I don't want to be changed I don't want to be told what to do and or a Virgo inclined individual is more so going to do that but of course it just depends what the Virgo placement is I don't mind someone with Virgo placements depending on where they are but if it's like your Venus or your Mars no I can't unless you have strong other placements so I I think do you get what I'm trying to say so it's more like that like I totally mm-hmm. get that. And I, I love that you mentioned that um, before we even start thinking about relationship astrology is really just focusing on healing our wounds and doing the work that we need to do on a personal level, because I totally agree with that. As you said, that when you go into a relationship, it's a mirror. So if you have all these open wounds and you're constantly triggered, but you don't even know what your triggers are or why you're triggered, the way you react is going to be so different than when you actually understand your triggers, you put in the effort to heal your wounds. Of course, I feel like healing is a journey. It's not really a destination, but it's like that self-awareness and having the tools to like, I think like you said, like to handle it and to respond differently is going to be so impactful in a relationship versus just like not really knowing and kind of being in this like 
fight mode or maybe flight mode and just like reacting in ways that aren't going to be healthy and that are really going to impact the other person too so and it's also like that that ability to be like hey before we even get into this thing seriously between you and I now that we're embarking on this romantic journey this is what I've learned about myself and like this is the work I've been doing and heads up you know like I respond this way to anger because my Mars is in Leo I'm a very dramatic person when I'm angry I dramatize my feelings I I'm very theatrical about my feelings, you know, because I'm a Mars and Leo. What is your Mars, you know? And we can talk about it. So like when we are triggered and we see these things happen, we're not shocked. It's very interesting when people are very open to doing astrological work individually that when it comes in partnership it actually becomes a very beautiful and open space for conversation how are you in relationship how are you on a personal level what triggers you and we can compare charts and then we can do a okay let's see when it comes together what we're as a unit here to develop and how can my strengths and your strengths contribute towards the betterment of our union going forward and how do our weaknesses need to be worked on like what can you help me with that I don't really particularly feel good at and what can I help you with that you don't particularly feel good at and we can meet somewhere in the middle and when we have conflict you're better at walking away so please be the person who walks away and I'll be the person who talks about it the next day or I don't know we find ways you see but it just helps to go through the individual journey in order to navigate the union a little easier. I love that. And I think even just approaching that conversation before you get into a relationship with someone, their response and whether or not they take you seriously is also going to tell you so much. Like if you can't have these kind of conversations up front, then that person is probably not emotionally mature enough to even be in the kind of relationship that you're looking for if you're the one bringing the combo. Fully. And I'm like that. Like, like I still get the whole like, oh, here comes the astrology. Like, why are you asking me what time I was born? And I hate it so much because I I'm doing this for my health, okay? Like, I need this information. And I still get it. People are skeptical. It's okay. But it's just like, I like an open-minded person, you know? I'm a Gemini moon. Open-mindedness is very attractive to me. So immediately when someone, like, blocks out astrology, you don't particularly have to be a deep fan of it. But even the curiosity to be like, okay, I'm happy to even find out what you're going to say about me or, like, what you think I am in a relationship style. For me, it's just that open-mindedness. Even if you're very unfamiliar with the topic or the conversation around astrology just even being able to be like yeah sure this is my time of birth like tell me what you find or tell me any interesting stuff I'm more so than open to develop any kind of relationship with the person who's like that but if you're gonna be like nah that stuff is fake you're on some weird stuff or whatever then I'm immediately closed off because you're not the type of person I would even want to develop a relationship with yeah and if even if you think about it like that other person does not have to be into it but if he sees or she sees the importance that it is to you and how interested you are in it like just like you said being open to that yeah it just shows you what kind of person they are because if you're not open to the things i'm interested in you, we're not asking you to be equally as interested we're just asking you to hear us and be open yeah just like just you might talk about something that i don't really care about but the fact that you like it like i'm going to be open to learn about it And that's how you actually begin in relationship, right? Like we have completely different interests, but eventually like I'm interested in your interests and you're interested in mine and we relationship. Exactly, exactly. So thank you so much for coming on. I've loved this conversation. I feel like I learned so much. I'm like ready to have an astrology birth chart finding party with my friends. Like I feel like now I just want to know my birth chart a lot more closely and deeply. So. 
Thank no, you. No, I'm glad. Definitely Thank you so much for having, having me on here. Yes, I do want to ask you, where can we find you to follow you? I know you're on TikTok. Sure. I don't know if you're on Instagram, but like, where can we follow you? And like, what kind of like, what things do you offer and what do you do? Sure. So my name and surname on my handle, no underscores or anything. So Claudine Dooley, one word on both TikTok and Instagram. So I'm on both platforms. And I offer readings. So birth chart readings, synastry readings, composite readings. So any reading that you're looking for, I offer. And yeah, well, my prices are in rand. So I'm trying to think like the lowest ranging reading I offer is 200 rand, which is about like 10 to $15. And my highest one is about like $46, which is like 850 rand. That's for like the most comprehensive reading. So it depends what you're looking for and the level of depth. But yeah, that's what I offer. And I just always give out information on like my TikTok, especially. I don't really do much of the video sharing stuff on Instagram. It's just like pictures of my own life. But yeah, you can find most of like my video sharing TikTok astrology stuff on there. Yeah, that's where I found you. That's where I was like, oh, I don't know if you have Instagram, but I found you on TikTok. But again, thank you so much for coming on. I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope that you've learned a thing or two. I have. I, did, I, did. I have myself. I so thank you so much for having me here. It's been really lovely. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, grown girl gang. Bye.